Welcome. My name is Dr. Stephanie Gripney, and this is our podcast, Courageous Capital Stewards. I founded Elite Impact Finance Center. We're based in Denver, Colorado. And our primary focus is we identify individuals, foundations, family offices, corporations, and now starting to be pension funds who want to learn about impact investing. We identify them, educate them, and activate them. And we're super excited to uh, to reconnect with a long-term friend and colleague, uh, Bruce Reed, who leads Edwards Mother Earth Foundation. Bruce, uh, we met several years ago, but I'd like you to start the conversation either even further back about telling us where you grew up and and how you found your way to Seattle. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to be uh, on the podcast too, Steph. I grew up in Massachusetts in a little town called Duxbury, which is about maybe 30, 40 minutes south of Boston, kind of halfway between Boston and the Cape. And I uh, went to college in upstate New York at Ithaca, and I majored in film and ultimately went out to Los Angeles and kind of worked in the film uh, business out there for about five years. And then later uh, transitioned, moving up to Seattle, got involved with philanthropy, got my master's in uh, public administration at the University of Washington. And I worked with uh, Laird Norton Family Foundation prior to joining Edwards Mother Earth uh, Foundation in 2014. So I've been with EMEF for about nine years. That's amazing. It's super interesting because you, there are now degrees in philanthropy um, where there probably weren't when we um, went to college in that same way. And and it's interesting how people find themselves to philanthropy. Like what about philanthropy attracted you to to make that kind of unconventional step into that space? Yeah, I was really interested in working with the family, the multi-generation family, supporting collaborative uh, philanthropy. And for EMEF, in a way, we have a dual purpose. There's there's the collaborative family philanthropy that we're trying to support, engaging the family. We're set up uh, uh, to exist in perpetuity as a multi-gen uh, organization. And then we also have the grant-making program, the impact investing trying to have the most impact that we can on the on the program side. So I was just really interested in kind of doing both those things. And and I'm really interested in, in climate mitigation, which is the focus for EMEF. It was also focused uh, with Laird Norton. So um, just kind of have a passion both for the working with the families and also uh, on the program side. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit more about the history of EMEF and also their mission. And before we jump into the impact investing and even the endowment start part of it, talk about like the focus of your grant making. Yeah, EMEF was created in 1997 by Bob and Jane Edwards, and I think a, a lot of the the wealth was created through real estate uh, investing, and the they created the foundation. They engaged with their kids, which was the second generation, um, and to really get it, get it started. Um, they, they kind of launched the foundation, created kind of, you know, set up articles and bylaws. I think there was a lot of work around, um, rafting, a, a, a mission that was somewhat broad, but it, 
um, who are always focused on environmental sustainability and trying to engage the larger family in philanthropy. And in 2007, uh, that, that second generation kind of made a commitment to climate mitigation as a, as a focus and started a new program around energy efficiency policy, mostly at the state level. And by this point, 10 years down the road, I think then you had the third generation uh, family members starting to get involved. The board started out with just a few family members um, and it expanded um, to include cousins, different branches of the family uh, that was growing. And then, uh, so that, that energy efficiency policy work spanned over a decade. And that's sort of where I, I got hired. I came on board uh, and we started a new program or focused around green building. Uh, we work with a consultant called EcoTrust and we worked on that uh, really over the last uh, eight or nine years since I've been involved and we just recently launched a new program around agroforestry. And again, all of those programs kind of support the broader climate mitigation, uh, mission. And we, we, the, the family chose to have a single focus, um, for the board. I think that they just felt like getting alignment really helped to have more impact Ooh. in terms of the program. Yeah. And prior to that, I think as the foundation in the, or the first 10 years when EMEF was being set up, I think there were multiple uh, interests. There were kind of, there were maybe f three different areas that the board was, was looking at. And it, it just kind of, it ended up fostering more of a competitive environment. And there were pros and cons to that. But ultimately, sort of that evolved into the board deciding, you know, it's better given our size and our grant making capacity, having a single focus was just more effective. We were talking before the we started recording about when people asked me about um, whether I like working with foundations or not, meaning that are they complicated and and I, I know you must have done a tremendous amount of work and family dynamics work, but when we, our paths crossed was really when we supported you uh, choosing your investment advisor. And, and it's super interesting because if you ask me, we have 25 pieces of community infrastructure and services that we offer at Impact Finance Center. And hands down, the most important thing we do is help organizations evaluate their investment advisors and search for new ones. And I can count the number of times I've been asked to do that on my one hand. It's not something very common. For some reason, we think that that's the place where we should do it yourself or lean on the board or anything else like that. Can you, I don't know if you can remember back when, um, how we got connected or, or not even how we got connected, but what you saw the need for there. But I was always really struck by how um, your board is large and it was very aligned at that point. Um, so um, do you want to talk about, you know, how your impact investing journey started, where we came in at that place of that impact investing journey and, and start to give us a sense of of what happened then and how we, how we got from then to today? Yeah. Yeah. Steph, happy to talk about that. Um, and I think this is, I would, when I was hired in 2014, one of the things that the EMEF board wanted to do was explore impact investing. They were really interested in, in doing more of that. I think they'd done 
couple of small direct investments or some board members really asking, you know, if we're focused on climate, we've got the grant program, you know, we're required by the IRS to pay out 5% every year. We use the grant with those gradients to help support uh, our mission. But what about the other 95%, you know, the, this, this uh, portfolio, this endowment that we have invested, I mean, are we, are we doing all we can to support that mission? Are we somehow undermining perhaps our mission by the investments that we're making? Once the board started asking those questions, ultimately that kind of led to, uh, the board kind of creating a committee to look at what else EMEF could do. And I think that group, um, yeah, I worked with them and then I think we found, we found you, um, at kind of, I think work with you as our consult to help guide us, um, through a process to help us find, a, uh, an impact investment advisor. And he and me have had worked with, with a, um, an advisor for a long time. Um, what we did was we, we kind of talked to that advisor about things that we could do on the impact side. And ultimately that, that that investment advisor said, you know, this isn't really what I do. You know, it's, you're going to have to find somebody else to help you. So we developed a request for proposal process, went out. I think we identified, you know, seven or eight different uh, firms, ultimately kind of culled that down to three or four top candidates. And then we selected Caprock Group based out of Boise, who we hired as our new uh, investment advisor. And that really got the, the process uh, rolling in terms of, um, the impact investing work. Uh, we, we, uh, you know, that was in 2015 that we, we hired Caprock and, uh, yeah, that was really a key turning point. I know working with you, you really helped us a lot, kind of advising us as we went through the RFP, crafting the RFP, doing interviews with the different, uh, investment advisor firms. And uh, it was really helpful because I think ultimately, you know, we we made a good decision, and we're still working with Caprock today. You know, eight years later, um, so that that really has turned out turned out to be a great decision, I think. And you have a Caprock wrote a great case study up on that, I believe, that we'll share with the podcast on it, and I believe they even updated it maybe uh, recently. So it's it's great to have like a longitudinal case um, from you doing that. Uh, so it sounds like in some ways the hardest part was like getting that alignment up front. Then you had to basically, you know, ensure you were selecting the right person. And then once you, a uh, firm, and then once you got that right firm, you've been uh, off to the races for lack of a better word in, in doing that. And so you actually have, do you want to talk a little bit about, I'm guessing we haven't caught up in a long time, positive and negative screening, investing in private investments and also I'm guessing a robust direct investing program. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, uh, how that's that's structured at a high level and maybe one or two of your favorite transactions? Sure. Yeah. The um, the case study that you referenced that Caprock uh, put together about EMEF too is great. It provides a good overview. I know we we may update that. I'm not sure if it has been updated recently, but it really covers at least the first three or four years of our journey uh, as we were starting it, uh, getting into impact investing. And I know that could, um, I think it's uh, definitely a great resource. So we, uh, yeah, once we 
started working with Caprock Group, I think, you know, initially we were just kind of dipping our foot in the water. We had this kind of traditionally uh, invested portfolio of uh, stocks and bonds and cash. And we, uh, we worked with uh, Caprock Group to select a couple of different fund managers, impact managers that did ESG screening for both the stock and the bond portfolio. We worked with the Purio um, Group to kind of restructure the equity portfolio. And then um, SNW, which I think now is in Besco, uh, handles the bond portfolio. So we, and we kind of think of that as impact light, you know, we're screening using positive screens to identify companies where there's good alignment with our values around climate. And we're negative screening companies out that, um, where we just don't have good alignment. And at the same time, we're trying to support having a diverse portfolio. So we are invested in different sectors as much as we can be, uh, to support kind of our, our impact and return goals for the foundation. Um, and when we started, you know, really like a hundred percent of the portfolio was kind of invested in, in public, uh, securities. And now I'd say it's probably 50, 50, maybe even less than 50% public. So getting into private, uh, opportunities was sort of the next step on that journey. And we started getting into mostly funds. Um, EME, if we, we made a, a few direct investments, but I say mostly we've been investing in funds. Um, and we've, uh, the, these funds kind of, we feel like they're, we're having deeper impact through those private fund investments. They're supporting things like renewable energy, energy efficiency, uh, clean technology, sustain, we have a sustainable oceans fund, uh, sustainable food and farm fund. We're invested in the lime, lime timber funds that support sustainable forestry. Um, so, um, and a couple of different climate bonds, uh, and you asked me to mention a couple of examples. I was writing down the list. We, um, we got, we recently invested in, uh, the lights, light Smith climate resilience fund, um, and also, uh, the Greenbacker Renewable Energy Corporation has been another really, really good investment for us, kind of on that deeper impact fund side. And so, so not as much direct investments on what we think of as the as part of our impact investment portfolio, the other 95%, but on the program side, where we've been supporting things like green building and energy efficiency, we have made investments that we think of as being pretty deep impact into things where we've used program-related investments and recoupable grants to support organizations. And Prime Coalition is is, is a great example of that. They have an impact fund. Uh, we invested a million dollars into that fund, mostly supporting early stage clean tech uh, companies. Where Sarah Carney is uh, Sarah Carney is amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, another example, we kind of made a, a two different program related investments to support a company called Lot Time. That's a nonprofit uh, that's also kind of working in that clean tech space. Uh, so those I think of it as, you know, technically they're part of our, our payout, our 5% that we're putting out, but real uh, 
you know, potential for, for deep impact. A lot of those are structured as recoverable grants where we don't have a specific term, like a loan term, but we might have for a PRI. They kind of are looking out 15 plus years. So, you know, they're a long-term plays, uh, kind of just to see what happens again, kind of mostly investing in, in, in early stage, uh, companies. That's a, um, amazing. Um, and part of the reason we've gotten reconnected is I have a, uh, partnership with the U S forest service. They called us and they, they said, um, there's this new technology called mass timber and you can basically take the small wood that in many cases out West is causing the forest fires because we haven't been doing the forest health restoration work and we've been preventing uh, fires from happening. So there's been this buildup of the small wood and now there's this technology to take the small wood and glue it together in beams and panels that can be as strong, if not stronger than steel and concrete. So you're starting to see the Microsofts and the Googles and people build out of mass timber. Um, which are gorgeous, beautiful buildings that also sequester carbon. Um, you were an early adopter in green building. Um, in fact, um, I realized through this work with the Forest Service, you know, there's a lot of, um, this is inside baseball for if you, you don't know the foundation world, but there's lots of associations of foundations. So there's, I'm sure you're connected to Philanthropy Northwest. We have Philanthropy Colorado. There's also, um, there's a, Funders Network in Sustainable Agriculture and Food. There's one in Smart Growth in Cities, but there isn't one in Climate and Forests, and um, and or like the built environment in this space. Um, why do you think the the trustees decided to go that direction for green building? Um, I think I, I'm guessing I know the answer here. Um, but what have you? Uh, what's it, what excites you right now in that system that you're? either investing in through your negative 100% grant dollars or your PRIs or your funds. Like, why why is that a focus for EMEF? Yeah, I think, you know, we got into, EMEF got into green building or what we call climate-wise building um, because, because I think we just felt like we could have a big impact. It's a big, big sector, accounts for, you know, a, a large chunk of climate emissions. If you kind of look at the data, and we felt like, you know, we could help support, um, you know, demo projects and, um, you know, innovative work that was happening on the ground. Um, there, are, there are a couple of examples. Early on, we provided a PRI to EcoTrust. They developed what they call the RED project in, in uh, East Portland. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that they, you know, they, they were creating a, a food hub, food distribution hub in, in Portland. So EMEF, we're really, you know, happy to, to, to support that project. We also, we invested also on the impact side in different kinds of funds. I mean, I mentioned Lime earlier, which is more forest, but uh, Green Canopy Homes is a green builder in Seattle. We invested in one of their funds, the Birch Fund. Um, to support their work, they're they're building uh, net zero homes uh, in Seattle and Portland. Now, I think um, that Green Canopy is the one that just merged with um, Node, right? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a pretty exciting new partnership um, going on there. Yeah, yeah. They, I think you know, they're really looking at developing uh, 
almost like modular technology, I think, to help, you know, support the scaling of, of green building um, and to make it affordable. And I yeah. think that's... And I, they're also working on the carbon protocol for mass timber, which will provide another revenue stream that will help crack that net on affordability, which is super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah, on green building, um, you know, we, we, as I mentioned earlier, we transitioned, we're just started um, funding uh, agroforestry as our new grant, grant program. We're just kind of going into our second year, but we have a lot of kind of like, you know, long-term program related investments or a couple of grants um, that we're kind of, well, wait and see on the green building side, you know, see how, yeah. uh, you know, we're continuing to monitor those projects. And uh, yeah, but um, lots of interesting work going on. I don't know your question around climate. I, I mean, I, it seems like there's a lot more focus around the the you know the interplay between climate and green building, and and I you know these things like for example like embodied carbon. How do you account for that? Um, it, some it gets marginalized uh, sometimes in thinking about how you're accounting for for uh, carbon in with, with buildings. And I know we did, you know, a fair amount of our funding went into kind of, um, you know, life cycle cost analysis, climate analysis for green buildings. How can we do that better? Um, when we're thinking about building them and, and, uh, how can we support better? Yeah. Evaluation metrics around a clown wipes building. Bruce says we, um, we have a, an, an amazing uh, partnership. We're not starting a new uh, funder affinity group, but we're going to do a climate forest funders workshop series and a several events over the course of the next three or four years in partnerships with other funder affinity groups. And so one of our events will be in um, Tahoe Trekkie in partnership with the Tahoe Trekkie Community Foundation that has the Tahoe, they have the Forest Futures Fund. And they're, to my knowledge, the first community foundation to really go deep and say, we're going to raise 30, 40, 50, $100 million to work on the whole supply chain from planting trees, cutting trees, you know, uh, producing trees into amazing affordable housing or bioenergy or the workforce component. Um, as we build that list of more people that are funding in this sustainable forestry built environment space and start building that other list of um of what I'd call a, a bit of a fragmentation of, of there are funders like you doing this, but what we want to do is help convene them and connect them. Um, do you have advice um, for folks getting into this space? Are you willing to connect with other peers in this way to, to share your lessons learned and what you've learned about along the journey? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we, I think our only, uh, the only challenge for EMEF is, you know, uh, I'm the, I'm the only staff person, um, but our board is really active and they get out there. We try to get out to uh, convenings and different events and conferences. Um, I'm, I'm active within Seattle. There's kind of a, a impact investing group. And I mean, definitely around agroforestry, we're kind of on a steep learning curve, trying to learn more and more about that. So we're kind of moving around within those uh, broader forestry um you know, sustainable forestry circles. And yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, yeah, well, we're trying to learn as much as we can and learn from others. So, uh, so yeah, I, you know, and, and if you know about, um, 
you know, it could be convenings that you're helping to put together, participating in, happy to learn more about those, if really, especially if they're related to uh, to agroforestry in particular, uh, as we kind of, uh, you know, dive deeper into that program. And why don't you tell us more for the audience when they hear agroforestry, what does that mean? Like, how are you all, um, what is the range of ideas that you're seeing in agroforestry that are, and why is EMEF like going in this direction next? Yeah, we EMEF, you know, we looked, we took a long look at the drawdown report that came out with climate solutions, sort of a list of climate solutions from four or five years ago. Uh, agroforestry was definitely one of those um, ideas near the top of the list that could you could have pretty big impact on the climate side. Again, you know, EMEF were a relatively small funder, but we were interested in that space. We did a feasibility analysis, kind of a SWOT uh, analysis of uh, looking at different areas that EMEF could focus on. We were working with a, a fellow named Sean Penrith, who works with Gordian Knot Strategies based out of Portland. Uh, we're kind of partnering with him on on the agroforestry work. But that feasibility analysis work kind of looked at different areas and the board ultimately decided to focus on agroforestry, which is really the, it's like the mixing of forestry and agriculture. Uh, and in the case of solar pack, sorry, silver pasture, um, working with livestock and forestry as well. So kind of the interplay of those two different things. Agroforestry is more widely practiced in other parts of the world, uh, like Latin America, but not so much in the U.S. And so we're focused in the U.S. There seems like there's an opportunity to, to scale uh, agroforestry, you know, if we if we can get kind of resources aligned and there's there's been more uh government funding recently there was just a climate smart commodities uh, funding award of 60 million that came down through the nature conservancy to support a lot of uh, agroforestry producer work so yeah emef we felt like there weren't a ton of funders in that space a few working in agroforestry but we we feel like we can we can have an impact to help try to scale and have have uh, more impact you said this earlier on, but I want to um, reiterate the fact um, there are times uh, another foundation that we evaluated evaluated their investment advisor and searched for their investment advisor was AJL Foundation. And when I tell the story of what you've done and what they've done, um, they now have a staff of two and a half, I believe. Um, but they started off with a staff of one and a half. Um, and you've done this with a staff of one. And, and I think it can be that the journey can seem really daunting to people that have three to 10 staff on how you go on that. So I just want to applaud you and, and, and your, you and the trustees for going on this journey because it's a, it sounds, um, at one hand simple and easy to do, but it, it's a lot of work. And, uh, so congratulations for go, going this far in the journey and then continuing to innovate and, looking at uh, Project Drawdown and saying, okay, what's the next best thing we can do to deploy our resources to achieve our climate goals? So a huge uh, um, congratulations to you for going on that journey. Yeah, no, thanks, Steph. Yeah, I mean, as I said, and I, I uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of work. I mean, the board, like our, our board is really active, really supportive, and they, they, do, they do a ton of work. Um, you know, maybe the 
the, tr- the there's the alternative model, the private foundation that maybe has more staff doing a lot of the the day to day program work, and then you know you've got the board coming in and kind of making decisions a couple of times a year. And I think you know we've got those board meetings happening. The committees are meeting in between board meetings, and and we're doing a, a lot of work. I mean they're pretty engaged, so I feel like in some ways I'm like a, a staff of eleven. Uh, even though, you know, in name, I'm the only uh, staff person at EM. I have a, a whole board uh, supporting me, which is which is great. Fantastic, Bruce. Well, those are my questions for you today. Is there anything else you want to share with us about something that's exciting you or something that um, you've invested in or supported that, that you were like, that's really cool and other people should know about that? Um, any other last words from you? Yeah, I think the only thing I'd say is for people that are thinking about getting into impact investing, you know, compared to when we started our journey, you know, almost eight, nine years ago, it just, it seems to me there's a lot more opportunities, just fund opportunities to support, you know, different types of things uh, related to environmental sustainability, affordable housing. Uh, poverty alleviation, you know, climate change, uh, healthy food. So um, there's just a lot more out there. Um, and if you're a private foundation and, and, you know, you've got a portfolio that you're managing and you're doing the stuff on the grant side, you know, as I said, it's, it's definitely more work, but it, it's a great opportunity just to learn about um, get more engaged on you know on the on the investment side of things, um, and you know to be able to better leverage your your uh, you know your resources as a private foundation. So a great opportunity. I encourage people to you know to explore it because uh, it's like another tool in the toolbox that you can you can be using. Yeah, I there are not many of you early on that have gone in to say we're going from five percent to ten percent to you know to twenty percent to thirty percent and as you creep up towards that hundred percent portfolio it's just it shows what's possible and then you can say wait how do we use our our hundred percent of our portfolio to leverage another two x or three x or four x impact and so it's that alignment, that willingness to be flexible and use multiple tools for recoverable grants to PRIs to the actual endowments and investments and getting comfortable. And, and, and part of it is like you have to get confident and then competent at, at taking that step and going like, oh, it worked. Okay, let's take another step and, and know that it worked. And so I just am so grateful that you and your board have been brave and because we need more and more people to be more brave in this space and excited to hold you up and celebrate you for uh, going on that journey. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Steph. Yeah. It's been good talking with you. It's been good talking to you too.